Hello, and welcome to Fan Slash Fiction with Andrew Slash Zach. I'm Zach Dunsing. And I'm Andrew Gum. This week, we have the Flying Dutchman of Starfleet, Earl Grey Tea, and the Elusive Pony Morph. Also, we have some charming stories about sex. And this week, given that we have those stories, if you have children listening and you don't want them to hear some really weird sexual content, maybe skip this one. Or be a bad parent. (laughs) I mean, that's your choice. I would love to be a bad parent someday. Recording. Yeah. Great. Um, so you took a deep dive this week? I did. Um, yeah, I don't really know how I'm going to talk about it because it is a very mixed bag all in the same subject area. How how did you do this week? Um, maybe we could start with you. I, I think we should start with me because I did okay this week. Okay. Basically, I think I mentioned last week that I found a um, Prometheus Next Generation crossover that yeah. combines one of my absolute favorite things with one of my absolute least favorite things. <laughs> can, can you guess which is which? Uh, I, no, I couldn't possibly. I would never presume <laughs> to know you that well. <laughs> um, well, I love Star Trek Next Generation. I grew up on it. Captain Jean-Luc Picard is easily the best Starfleet officer. I agree. All right, well, he's the best captain, but uh, I think... Data and Will Riker are actually stronger Starfleet officers when it really comes down to it. But really, you think that Riker's stronger than Picard? I think Data is one of the most interesting characters in science fiction. Like, yeah, uh, he's like the antithesis of Spock. Like, Spock is this. He's, like, he's also incidentally significantly more interesting than David. Even though I love Michael Fassbender's performance of David in Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, because uh, Data's whole thing is he is a machine who wants to know what it is to be human, and it's becoming like an obsession, which means that he's already experiencing something human like an obsession, which is just a fascinating character study. Yeah, and David basically just wants to know what it's like to be a god. Right, which is also kind of a human thing. (laughs) Which is also kind of a human thing. They're more human than human, to uh, borrow a phrase from Blade Runner. Um, yeah. We are all over the place already, huh? Hey, it feels good. That's where editing comes in, right? Uh, Thanks, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, first of all, welcome to Fan Slash Fiction with Zach Slash Andrew. We're off to a... I'm Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, we were off to like a, considering the last couple ones, a pretty positive start. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I love Star Trek The Next Generation. Prometheus is one of the, probably the most disappointing movie I've ever seen. Mm. I remember when you talked about it before it was coming out, there was like a lot of excitement for it. Um, and then you kind of got Avatar The Last Airbendered, I think, by that movie. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, because I wasn't, I mean, I grew up on Star Wars. I love Star Wars, but it wasn't. I don't. I guess I wasn't burned by the prequels because I guess I wasn't as hooked on the originals as I thought I was. But I, right. I was definitely like my my bread and butter is like aliens, Alien, and Blade Runner. Like that's yeah. that's those are the movies that got me into this stuff. So 
Prometheus was a big deal, and it was a beautiful, beautiful film that just makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, it wrestles with um, a lot of really, really interesting themes, like uh, God's relationship to creation, fathers to sons. They really, they really are wrestling with interesting stuff, but they don't really land on any interesting conclusions. Well, that's was my and that's surmise. that's the truly frustrating thing about that movie is that it's not just bad. It's like it's got so much interesting stuff in it. Everybody who's in it is great in it. It's totally, it's absolutely stunning, and it's just at the end of the day, it's like you have all these great components that don't add to a satisfying whole. But anyways, so I tried to dive into this next-gen Prometheus crossover, except that it's uh, it's 15,000 words. Cool. And that's just one of them. And there's actually two, it's a two, there's two of them. So it's 15,000 uh, 15, words, 15 chapters. I, I read the first two. Yeah. Just but to, that's enough to get, like, a taste. Well, I, so I read the first two of that, and then I, I read uh, a couple of one-shots that were Prometheus crossovers with some other stuff. So I'll get into that as well cool that's very similar to what i did though my subject matter is a little different cool basically um so the sng one was like the the person posits that the timelines of next generation and prometheus sort of line up because the events of the movie the star trek movie first contact where zephyr and cochran invents the warp drive with the help of the crew from the enterprise there's some, there's some time travel elements in that one. That takes place like a hundred or so years after the the events of Alien and Prometheus. So they essentially, he posits that like, because of those ships were lost, that's why they create Starfleet. Oh, <laughs> okay. So the whole Prometheus thing is like a legend. They actually refer to the ship Prometheus as like the Flying Dutchman of of Starfleet like it's a they don't know if it was real or not that's cool yeah no it's actually like that aspect of it was really cool and the for what it's worth the story is actually pretty cool I'm trying to look it up so I can pull up the writer but um so essentially it's just that like they're at uh, a they're space docked around earth and they get a new assignment to go check out LV223 I think is the one from Prometheus and it's got some nice like you know it's got a part where Picard goes into his his quarters and orders tea, Earl Grey, hot, and his signature drink from the show, um, from the uh, the replicator that makes all their food. It's also got like seemingly, it looks like it's it, it's piggybacking off of an episode where um, Lieutenant Barkley like makes contact with some aliens and becomes super smart for a short period because it's seemingly leading up for him, like actually going down to the engineer's planet or something like that. But like I said, I didn't finish it. It was a cool idea. Would it be something that you'd be interested in continuing into? Maybe you could give us episodic updates or did it, did it fail to grab your interest overall? No, I think when I have the time, I'll probably keep reading it because he definitely gets the, uh, well, I'm assuming it's a he, I don't know. I mean, kind of a safe bet i'm not trying to gender the authors but that's i mean i feel a hundred percent that a man wrote the carmen san diego episode or story <laughs> but uh not so sure on this one but they, yeah. whoever wrote it really gets the characters and their voices and all that so it wasn't you know sometimes you're reading these and it's sort of like even even though obviously none of it's 
canon. <laughs> it sort of like breaks out of the character's voice. You're like, oh, well, you know, Data wouldn't say something like that. Yeah, where Data's just like, what you talking about, Cap'n? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Data's catchphrase from the show Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they really get it. So I probably will keep reading it. And, I, you know, I liked the premise. It was pretty straightforward, but it was, you know, he like, uh, Picard brings everybody to the holodeck and they watch basically the same, like, mission brief that the crew watches in Prometheus. Oh, see, this is good. Yeah, no, I mean, like, they that's get the it. stuff they, I like. Yeah, they get how the technology works. They get how, they, they get, you know, which parts of which universe sort of work together. Yeah. So it's cool, yeah. So I'll keep reading it. Um. Another one I read was basically, it was pretty, it was like, well, the rest of the ones I read were one shots, but it's essentially Ellen Ripley discovering David's severed head on LV4, uh, or sorry, not LV426, LV223. That's awesome. But it's, it's the Ellen Ripley from Alien Resurrection. It's the clone of Ellen Ripley. (laughs) Oh, no way. <laughs> That's where they went. <laughs> yeah, totally. So at the end of it, at the end of Alien Resurrection, Ripley escapes on the Betty with Renona Ryder and a couple other crew members. And this in this story, they've just become like salvagers. So they go to the planet to salvage the engineer's ship and uh, to discover David's head. And really all that happens is um, Ripley and David have a conversation and she feels a connection to him because, because she is a clone. And he, so he's like, he's David eight. So he's like the eighth iteration of that synthetic. And she's like the eighth clone of (laughs) Owen Ripley. So they have a little bit of a bond. That's kind of nice. It's sort of like in the, the new Blade Runner, the, replicant gosling and his digital girlfriend they have a nice connection sorry that's in the first four minutes of the movie (laughs) (laughs) but they uh they have that connection because they're both you know kind of synthetic people yeah and uh so that's kind of neat it's playing with some fun scientific science fiction tropes yep so So just given so i'm sorry but just like given what i've been reading Mm -hmm. (laughs) this week I really thought it was like, so uh, Ripley finds David's head and has sex with it. <laughs> and then, you know, that's that's where that's where I've been this week. So good. I mean, I think it's I think it's only appropriate that one of us tackles a PG one and one of us tackles an X rated one every week. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I, I went in. I went in real deep good and real deep this week. So so there's one more. Well, I read a couple more of them, but most of them were pretty straightforward. Oh, there was like a there was like a Martian Prometheus crossover, which are both Ridley Scott movies. Oh, that's fun too. Yeah, but I like the well, idea of like when you were saying when you were saying the uh, the Rocketeer and Indiana Jones is a crossover because they have the same production teams. That just got me thinking that that'd be kind of a cool way to conceive of a crossover of like this came out of the same team, so it makes sense that it comes out of the same universe. So, yeah, but it was like pretty straightforward. It was just Vickers, Shirley Theron's character from Prometheus, going to the base on Mars where Watney, Matt Damon's character from The Martian, was like a manager. <laughs> and they have that. They have a, like a brief conversation. There's a well, there's a, that's <laughs> a, fun. <laughs> a bunch of them like that. Like I told you about that Matrix X Files crossover that was just like Morpheus and. And Fox Mulder having a like a brief conversation about very little. 
That's so, ah, see, I, see, this is one of the things that is a frustration of mine that I keep running into with ones that I'm, that we don't even talk about on the podcast. It's like, you've got such a cool idea for a crossover. And yet when you get it on the page, it's literally just two people meeting, talking about nothing, not using the voices of the characters at all. And then leaving. (laughs) And it's like, you, you had it. Like if you have Morpheus and Fox Mulder, obviously, Fox Mulder is like a chosen one inside the uh inside the matrix right now and you're going to try to wake up uh Fox Mulder's mind and pull him out of the matrix because he's been looking for the truth this whole time. He knows that there's something wrong with the world. That's low-hanging fruit, guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's not what happened. Bummer. <laughs> All right, so Okay, so this the last one I read, I mean there were a couple like that that were pretty straightforward. Um the other one I read is this is something that I think at some point we're gonna we're just gonna have to have a whole episode sort of dedicated to this, uh, as I'm sure you've come across it before. But the My Little Pony crossovers. Oh, like the. Have you come across this yet? No, I was thinking of Brony culture, but then I realized that's probably a different thing. Uh, I think they're similar. The same thing. Yeah, I think there's. Okay. I think they. They certainly overlap, I would say. Okay. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna give me a give me a taste of what that's like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you wanna explain what bronies are? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, bronies are adult men who, unironically, love My Little Pony and uh, collect lots of My Little Pony memorabilia and just have a i don't know i think just pure love for my little pony and there's like a whole group of them yeah i don't think it's a sex thing i think it's i think it's both i don't think it's a sex thing for everybody but i think that i think it is definitely a sex thing for some people okay i think it's like it's kind of similar to the to the furry thing where like I could be way off here, but I think it's similar to the furry thing where like some people are into it because it's like a sort of wholesome outlet that helps them feel however they need to feel. And some people are into it for that reason. And also because it's like gets them wet. Right. Exactly. I uh, and I just basically I mean, I might be wrong. There might be really wholesome adult men in the world, but I just feel like <laughs> they don't if exist. you're. <laughs> if you're an adult man and you have an obsession about anything, it probably also is a sex thing, too. I think it's- we can just fine-tune that a little bit and say, if you're an adult man, it's a sex thing. <laughs> we can make a sort of haiku of it. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. And it's usually not great. Usually so. <laughs> doesn't end well. This is probably the third or fourth. Uh, it's got to have a specific name, but we're just called pony crossover for right now i literally every single story i've come across has whatever crossover and then at least one of them is a my little pony crossover and some of them i think are are obviously more detailed than others a lot of them are probably like this one this prometheus my little pony crossover that is titled ponytheus that is i mean it's worth it right there (laughs) oh yeah so this is three chapters it's ongoing but it's 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 essentially just the opening events of the movie Prometheus, except that all of the names of people and places and objects are turned into My Little Pony puns. 
What? Yeah, I mean, it's just them in the ship landing on the uh, landing on the planet, about to go out and check out the pyramid or the megalith or whatever, and you know, just all their na- they just have you know names like sugar cube <laughs> <laughs> and like you know, and they're like. You know the the vic- oh no <laughs> the, the vickers. Well, it's like so. The first name is a My Little Pony character, and the last name is the last name of the crew from Prometheus. So it's like Rarity Vickers. Rarity, I guess, is a My Little Pony. <laughs> I mean, naturally, or Applejack Ford, <laughs> or uh, uh, Fluttershy Shaw. <laughs> Come on, like. There's, they literally just took the names. There's no actual My Little Ponies in there? No, no, no. I mean, they're all ponies. I, I thought that went without saying. They are all ponies yes, as well? Yes, they're all ponies. Stop, sorry. They're all ponies. Wait. So they put on pony spacesuits. They, <laughs> they are, at <laughs> point, they get out of their cryosleep chambers 34 trillion miles from Equestria, which is where the My Little Pony verse takes place. Oh my god. Instead of saying things like everybody, it says every pony. <laughs> Shaw and Holloway are who are married in the movie or engaged or whatever in the movie are they as ponies they're like constantly nuzzling each other's necks. That's adorable and Rainbow Dash Yannick, which is Idris Elba's character. <laughs> <laughs> A very strong pony. Oh, yeah. Just masculine, strong, powerful pony. Yeah. Oh, they uh, instead of Wayland Corporation, it's Maryland, as in oh, a mare. Like a, yeah. 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 Uh, and that's pretty much it. Like, it's fairly straightforward. It's just Prometheus, but with ponies. And there is one other good one. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, Hold on. Before, before we depart from that, I just have a, a question. <laughs> You have an, an equestrian. equestrian. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> so did you get to a place where a tiny alien pony bursts out of a My Little Pony chest? Oh, shit. No, I didn't, because it's only, it's, they haven't, it's three chapters and they're pretty short. They haven't gotten to the megalith yet. So, because I gotta know. I gotta know how that plays out. I mean, it's gotta be, right? Yeah. I mean... Holy shit, it's a pony morph. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now that is interesting. (laughs) Like, what does it look like? Is it... Is it, like, rainbow-colored? I don't know. No, I think there's there's like some some monotone gray ponies out there, I think. I think that's probably true. Like but don't they like they have magical golden horseshoes and stuff and they ride on rainbows? Like all of that's true, right? In the ponyverse? Yeah, all of that's historically factual. Gotcha. Um okay. they oh so the the other the last little good one is uh they they ride around on a land hoover instead of a land rover. Hoover. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh man, how do they drive? How do they? How did they invent spacecraft without like fingers? How did they raise a trillion dollars? <laughs> do they have dollars? <laughs> no, actually, it's not dollars. It's jewels. Jewels. Yeah, naturally. 
How do they mine for jewels? There's so many questions I have. Have you ever seen a horse eat an apple? It's, is it like that? Same way. Yeah, exact same way. <laughs> okay. Well, yes. Go, okay. Go so, uh, that, no, I mean, that's, that's it. I think that if they continue to write this one, uh, <laughs> this is written by There Is Only Zool. Hey, that's a good name. Yeah, it's a good reference. Uh, 2013, so I'm guessing we're not going to see any more of these. Ah, that's terrible. Okay, well... But I think that, so we should, at some point, I'll, I'll try to do a, a check back in on the SNG Prometheus one, at least figure out what happened to the crew, and then uh, we should 100% just do a full-on pony app. Yeah, and, I mean, I gotta, I've got to read that as well. And if it doesn't exist, it has to exist, like the the pony morph. Oh like, yeah! Even if it's just that sequence, like it's gotta it's gotta be in the universe now. So if it doesn't exist, we'll make it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the pongeneers, I'm sure. Yeah. Are <laughs> as well. Oh man, like it's such a ridiculous crossover that it's almost perfect. Well, that's the thing. It's like nothing. Nothing blends well with My Little Pony. It's like, there's, like, I saw some, some Fallout crossover fic, uh, New Pegasus. Yeah. Like, Super Mutants. No, I'm I sorry. Guess. I don't think you heard what I said. I said Fallout New Pegasus. New Pegasus? Oh, that's really good. That's a good pun. Pwn. That's, pun? yeah. Is that a part of the joy you think for the bronies? Is the just how ripe for punning it is i mean think about how much joy you and i are getting out of it and we're not even getting erections <laughs> speak for yourself <laughs> oh well that there's definitely some there's definitely some things to return to uh-huh. in everything that you just read so uh we will definitely do a check in after we uh after we dig even deeper into this into this world so that that was our palate cleanser why don't you uh dive into the main course okay well um i yeah i still i still am not 100% sure how best to talk about it but i'll i'll just lay it out for you and then i'll i'll break it down so i read four different things all of them Harry Potter erotica. Erotica. Yeah. Potterotica? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so it's the, where I started was just the longest one I could find because I just wanted to know how you do long form Harry Potter erotica. And um, it's one called Harry Potter Sexier, where all the chapters and events of book six of Harry Potter are going on theoretically in the background while Harry Potter has sex with every single <laughs> female in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> There's no subtlety whatsoever. <laughs> None. No preamble. Just like diving in. Like the the introductions to the sex scenes are Cho Chang saw Harry, came over to him, threw her arms around him, and said, I heard that you and Ginny had a really good time. I want you to show me pleasure like you showed her. And then they're having sex. And then that again and again Ugh. and again. I want to say two things. One, uh, I've been 
off of work because of snow days for most of the week. And I wor- oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was great. I, I, I worked through most of the weekend, but the, the final one I decided to do nothing, so I basically just watched every Harry Potter film. Oh, so good. Oh, yeah, so good. Love them. And I hadn't seen them in a while, and it was good, so I'm, I'm like, very primed for this. But also, I was <laughs> thinking, like, as I was watching them, and I guess I'm pretty sure I know the answer is no here, but are there at least, like, clever erotic charms and spells in your story totally okay yes good um uh for the other two okay i did this one so harry potter sexier and then its sequel harry potter and the sexy hollows uh are just i mean the most generous way i can say it is it's just hardcore fiction pornography with a very thin Harry Potter wrapping around it. Like it's, it's very much the, the same formula over and Mm -hmm. over again. By the end, I'll admit I was just kind of like flipping like chapter to chapter and just like giving a quick scroll just to see if it was beat by beat the same thing. And it was, yeah. Um, but like, when I say that he has sex with every female character in the Harry Potter world, I mean it. You mean McGonagall? Name- or, what's her name? McGonagall? McGonagall? Oh, yeah. I think. Actually, McGonagall might be one that he didn't have okay. sex with, which is bizarre. Yeah. But Molly Weasley, Narcissa Malfoy, Bellatrix Lestrange, Romilda Vane, uh, obviously, like, Hermione, Ginny, Cho, over and over, Katie Bell, Alicia Spinnett, Angelina Johnson, all these characters that, like, were, like, my imagination friends when I was a child are just being dunked in, like, the adolescent hormone river of Venombat22, who is the author. <laughs> is, okay, couple of questions. Yeah, I can answer is them. Is there wand play? No, not really. So the big charms that they u- they do for the sex magic in this are silencing charms. So uh-huh. they put like silencing around the broom closet or whatever they're at. Uh, so when they're just screaming Harry Potter's name, uh, that nobody overhears them, and that just Jesus that Christ. happens over and over again. It's um. So this one, I wanna I wanna maintain positivity because I do think that so much of like this fiction it's like a outlet it's something yeah it's an outlet for people and i think that that's that's important um but there are little moments uh in the middle of a story or at the very bottom of a chapter where you get to see the author kind of break through and talk to his audience in a way because it's definitely a he Mm -hmm. the way that it reads it is definitely well, I'll just, I'll give you a, a it's quote. Definitely somebody him. who doesn't have a particular understanding of the female orgasm, I'm guessing. Definitely not. Or of safe sex practices. Right. Or hygienic sex practices oh, at all. Okay. Uh, give me two or three of the worst lines. Oh. Like the, okay. the dirtiest <laughs> lines. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give you like some of the the stuff that just to me betrays the fact that there's kind of a, a limited hands-on understanding of sexuality. Uh, so and Harry potentially Potter's Harry having Potter, s- right? Yeah. Other than, like, the characters' names, like, they're really all just kind of Harry Potter skins put over, like, sex dolls, which was That's not... That's the I mean, worst phrase you could have used. Yeah. 
but it's how it feels. You don't feel great at the end of it. You don't feel particularly clean. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so Harry Potter's having sex with Molly Weasley, Ron's mom. Yeah. And um, classic Mill or Wilf. Uh, Harry, like she loved his stud cock and uh, was stroking it. While he looked at her huge size D boobs, she he grabbed her boobs and they felt like she, he grabbed her boobs like a bag of sand. Oh my god! Which is literally in the the movie. Film, I know. Virgin, I was what Steve Carell describes boobs. I know. It's literally the same because he didn't know what boobs were like, and it's yeah, it's literally in there. And I was reading it and I was like, oh my gosh. If this is like a reference, like a callback reference, and it's supposed to be funny, that's really funny, but it totally isn't. <laughs> that's just somebody so, who thinks that that's how you describe boobs, because you've never touched boobs. Also, if you have touched boobs, you don't use the word boobs. Yeah, you really don't say that's boobs how you know. that much. <laughs> yeah, Boobs is not a thing that you talk about too much once you have, like... Real world experience. Uh, yeah, unless you're describing like an oafish coworker, you don't say boobs. Yeah, and it's just like, ah, Randall, he's a real boob. Fucking Randall. We all know Randall. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so some of the things where it breaks through and you get to see the character of this author mm. is um, he says, I've gotten a lot of hate. Uh, people are saying some really mean things. They're saying that I'm a virgin and I am, but, yeah. uh, I've read enough smut on this site to get a pretty good idea of what it's like. And I am writing this for fun, capital F U N fun. And if you don't like it, you don't have to read it, but enough people like it that I'm just going to keep on doing it. And I was like, fair enough. And I'm like, okay, Venom Bat 22, you know, you're not really hurting anybody. Some of the sex stuff that you're putting in here is way questionable yeah. in terms of consent and, you know, hygiene, but, yeah. you know. But again, not hurting anybody. Can we do a quick PSA here? Look, if you're a virgin listening to this, that's great. More power to you. Do not try to learn anything from smut. It's not going to help you. No, it really doesn't. And porn does not help you be good at sex. Porn helps you be very, very bad at sex. And as as Andrew and I can both attest, nothing makes you be good at sex. You're never going to be good at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're probably never going to be good at it. But, no uh, one's good at it. If anything, If anything will improve it, it's literally just like paying attention to the other person. That's it. And if you're all in your own head, I think that's one of the problems with, like, smut and porn. We see it from one character's perspective, mm -hmm. and the other character is just, like, a an object of that person's fantasy. And it's not about their experience. Whereas, you know, I think healthy sexual expression is a really beautiful thing where two people are, like, listening to each other mm -hmm. and caring about each other, having a good time. And there was very, like when, very uh, little of that. <laughs> Satan and Carbon San Diego hooked up. Yeah, like, they both were really into it. Yeah. And Carmen had a great time. I mean, if that's what she's into, that's what she's into, and no one is here to judge her. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, so the the other two that I read, so th that was a fairly, like, exhausting sexual gymnastics with 
Harry Potter and all of these, you know, interchangeable uh, female characters that did not have any personality whatsoever. On the flip side, the other two that I read were actually kind of beautiful, romantic versions. There's one called Midnight, where uh, it's, I believe, in like right before book seven, where uh, they're about to go hunt down the Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. And Hermione is basically had enough of the will they, won't they with Ron. And like most of it isn't them having sex. It's like this real buildup of tension. Like they're talking and it, and it reads, they read a lot more like the actual characters in the book. Like she's really guarded. He's kind of a doofus. Um, he's a, but he's they're, a de- yeah, he's, he's like a Randall scale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so then it builds up to the point where they they actually do have sex, and that was this one was I know verifiably a female author. Okay, I was about to say, do you, did, could you tell a different? If you had to guess, but you oh, definitely verifiably female, and like the way that it plays out is clearly very different. Like it was not it was not porn influenced. It was very much from my experience, more like what an actual sensual experience is like, yeah. and read. It was like a pretty beautiful story, which just about for my money, people having sex for the first time makes for better reading anyways. Totally. I mean, you just you it makes you care about the characters a little bit. And that one was one that was cool because you could tell. So a lot of this has to do with shipping where you're you're putting people into uh, characters that you really like into sexual situations together because you wanted them mm, to be yeah. together, like sort of like what we want with the the pony morph. Uh, you we yeah we just want it to exist, so you you write it into existence. Yeah, we want a relationship between a pony and a xenomorph to form. Yeah, I guess it would be a <laughs> pony and a, a face hugger. Yeah, and then their their love child which I assume has uh, like a unicorn horn and that's how it bursts out of the chest. I mean, that's how I'm envisioning it. That would make it easier. That's how I was envisioning it. I was actually trying to envision a little uh, eight-legged pony trying to like latch onto another pony's face. (laughs) (laughs) With that weird like... Cluckety, 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 like galloping (laughs) towards. That little phallus that, that puts the egg in you. Yeah, and then it's got a mane all down the back of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh man. So so yeah, so this this one really felt like that. Like you could tell that the author really cared about Hermione as a character, understood her voice. Uh same thing with Ron, and a lot of people hate Ron. I mean, I'm kind of one of those people too from the book. Only cuz he it took him so long to figure it out. Yeah. And I think that Ron... Like, Hermione's good to go, Ron. She's good to go. Yeah. Just seal the deal, buddy. She's yeah. she's into it, and she's, like, stronger and smarter than you. Like, just, like, get what the getting's good. Yeah. And that's very much the story of this uh, this erotic fan fiction as well. He, She is there. She is initiating, and he is not sealing the deal. And then he kind of dopely gets what she's into and is on board which seems like if you had to imagine how ron uh and hermione would actually get together it it reads like that which is uh you know was very charming 
the last one that I read was very much the shipping thing. Uh, and do you want to explain that briefly? That term? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So shipping the the idea is like you're putting people into a relationship. So like I'd ship it is like if you want to see two people get together, like that's like and then people have arguments about like a a one true pairing, like the people that really really belong together in a book that either did end up together or didn't in the in the story. So a lot of people say that Harry and Hermione should have been together. They're like the one true pairing. Like they were like it wasn't Ginny that he should have ended up with. It was Hermione or a lot of people really want to see Hermione and Draco get together because there's all of that. Did Draco do anything? Well, the like Draco is very popular as I was scrolling through trying to find samples. Draco, I think cuz he's kind of he's kind of the only bad boy in there like the tortured bad boy like he's the only one in there and when you see the writing of him he's just kind of like a smarmy dope yeah. you know he doesn't do anything particularly well at any time but in the writing for draco he's like he's definitely like cool and in control and arrogant and rich and like there's a lot of adolescent girl fantasy out there i think about guys like that I'm just not that into blonde men. <laughs> you know? Me neither. It's just not a good look for men, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. Especially, like, longish blonde hair. Yeah. It's like, you know. But, you know, people like Fabio. People like uh, Kiefer Sutherland. I guess. He's a, <laughs> he's a, he's a sex symbol with the youth. Yeah. Um. But this, uh, the last one that I read, and I'll, um, this one was actually very, very sweet, uh, was, uh, oh shoot, I have it open. I, I forget the name of it. It's a, it's a BDSM between Neville Longbottom and, and, Her- and Hermione. Uh, but it's, it's very sweet. Uh, this one is called Trust Me. Are there any, um, are there any good Longbottom jokes in it? Uh, no, but that was a good one just in and of itself. <laughs> It just has such a long bottom. Um, but yeah, this one this one has really good uh, magic sex play. So there's like... All right, so that's... Uh, that is my main interest, so... Yeah, gotcha. So there's like contraceptive charms. And Perfect. so she she's dating uh, Ron at this point. And ron is kind in this version of it ron's kind of a jerk and keeps on breaking up with her so he can hook up with other people and then they get back together and she you know she loves him but doesn't really know what to do and so in order to spice up their love life they go to a sex club where neville longbottom is the performer and it's from neville's voice escalated quickly yeah uh and so ron goes off and sees some other you know sex club things happening and uh what what kind they don't really go sex club things i think like yeah they don't get that much into the wizard sex just like he was looking at like two women working on each other do you think that do you think that the like the wizarding kink world and the muggle kink world are just one and the same i would think so i would think if you go to a sex club you're probably gonna bump into a real life wizard, so yeah, you know you gotta yeah. you gotta be prepared for that. Um, 
so she decides that uh, she wants to learn a little bit more about that world and agree. And she and Neville, uh, she asked Neville if he will introduce her to that world, but she still wants to be with Ron. So the way that they do it is she whips up uh, a lust potion uh, so that they can basically go all night. <laughs> but it's also a memory potion, like a, so you will stay up all night, you'll have like perfect sexual stamina, uh, but then as soon as the sunlight hits you, you will forget the events of the night. So he had to agree just so it wouldn't change their relationship. That's just a date rape drug. Yeah, but she put the gave the date rape drug to him with his will and consent. And it's like, and this one's really good because it talks all about trust and consent. And That's it sounds good. like this is somebody that really has had intercourse before. <laughs> yes, that that seems pretty. Uh, that seems pretty evident. Um, and uh, I think a healthy relationship with BDSM because it's not. Right. It's a, It's very much all about trust, and you know. Yeah. Trust and consent and, and respect and all that. Yeah, yeah. All that great which stuff. Which is great. Um, so, uh, so they have this night and Neville leads her through it. And it's like he's so in love with her that he doesn't want to have to take the... He wants to take the antidote so that he can remember the night. Uh, but she, sa she said that she can't agree to that because she just... Uh, they had already agreed that it was going to be one night and she would remember so that she could have that experience and he wouldn't. Uh so he doesn't take the antidote. And then it cuts to like three weeks later where he uh, he is at the sex club and he doesn't really know what's wrong. He can't really get him. He can't really get into it anymore because he remembers the night that he saw Hermione there. But of course, she would never have anything to do with him. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he thought that maybe they had a moment where they locked eyes and had a connection. But he must have been wrong because he doesn't remember. And then Hermione walks in, like, full, like, full get-up, like, corset and everything, and gives him the, the, the antidote vial so he can remember, and they can be together, so he can remember his best night of his life. And then the very last line, which is very sweet, was, uh, um, he glanced at her and broke into a huge smile as he realized what her coming to the club tonight, dressed as she was, was really meant for them. Lightly gripping the back of her neck, he directed her mouse towards his. You know, I've decided this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Hands down, he said, and kissed her. And it was. It really, really was. Which is pretty sweet. So it was like getting to remember uh, their wild sex night, but the thing that was really the best night was her choosing him, that she actually liked him and wanted to be with him. Which is... I don't know. It was very heartwarming. Yeah, I mean, uh, Longbottom deserves a shot. Yeah, totally. Longbottom at the end, I think that Longbottom is one of my favorite characters mm -hmm. in the books. And, you know, everybody wants Longbottom and Luna to get together. But I think that Longbottom and Hermione are a totally fine pairing. Anyway, I definitely jumped in on the much smuttier side to begin with and then had a, and then had a, much more refreshing experience with the with the second two. So, well, that's good. Yeah, uh, we're getting we're getting, <laughs> we're getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely true. And I I think that going into this stuff gave me more 
more of the lingo of the mm-hmm. of the fan fiction world like uh so at the beginning of all the sex ones there's like content warnings for people which i think is really i think it comes from a pretty positive respectful place like mm-hmm. if things uh escalate or if there's you know anything violent they say that so if you don't want to read stuff like that you don't have to um which i think is is cool um those are positive things i learned about shipping learned about uh different pairings like m slash m is two men together f slash s is two f slash f is two females together and learning all the different ways to uh to denote the content of your stories Flash fiction, which we bring up from time to time, is that just specifically two characters of the same sex? Or is it always men? I can't remember. Um, I think, so, slash refers to men, to the best of my understanding. And if I find other things out, I'll definitely correct. But if you're saying it's slash, mm-hmm. it's usually two men. However, I think they just, they call it slash because any, uh, like, gender pairing has a slash between the... Sure. Between like the M's and the F's. So Yeah, like the title of our show. Yeah. Like you and me. I guess. We're like uh we're like Slash. Right? We're like the musician Slash, yes. Yeah. We just do like totally dope solos all the time while Michael Jackson gets frustrated that we're not done yet. Or is that Flea? I forget. You know what? I get them confused so often. <laughs> which one which one was in uh the Big Lebowski? I'm just kidding. It was Flea. Flea's in all, all the things. I think that was The Edge, actually. <laughs> There's Slash, Flea, The Edge. Get get proper names. Seriously. Randall. Fucking At least Randall, Randall has a name. <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, that is our show. Thanks for listening. Yep. Um, yeah. If you happen to be the only person out there listening to this, feel free to get in touch with us. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Like, we're easy to find. Like my name, very my easy to find. Andrew. My name's Zach, but there aren't a whole lot of Andrews or Zachs out there. So, so just like process of elimination, you can find yeah. us. So, yeah. <laughs> and good night. Good night. Yeah, that actually got me thinking when I was reading Harry Potter sexier and harry potter and the sexy hollows i was like there's got to be other ones out there like harry potter and the chamber of sex crits sex crits is not a word yeah it's not great i'm I'm spitballing here harry potter and the uh goblin yeah there you go harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban great 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 uh Harry Potter and the Order of the Penis, obviously. Oh, that's excellent, excellent. Uh, Harry Potter and the Half Chub Prince. Nailed it. <laughs> Gross. Uh, fantastic breasts is where to find them. <laughs> Hello again, this is Andrew. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to see more of our stuff, go to fanfiction.show. You can also check us out wherever you get your podcast. Contact us at zandrew at fanfiction.show. Uh, our Twitter handle is at fanfictionshow, as is our 
Instagram handle. And if you'd like to read these stories for yourself, we talked about the Prometheus legend by Spaceflight101, Ponetheus by There Is Only Zool, Harry Potter's Sex Year and Harry Potter and the Sexy Hollows by Venombat22, Midnight by Jess with one S, S at the end spelled E-S-S, and Trust Me by R-Z-Z-M-G. Thanks again.